Welcome back to the World is Her Office podcast. My name is Alice Foy, your host, and we're back today with episode eight. I'll be totally 100% honest with you. I've been holding out. After recording my freelancing episode back in (coughs) February, um, I also talked to someone else who works in the space in a different capacity. I felt like it would be an interesting um, follow-up or different perspective for people who are really trying to do the research before making any transitions. So Lindsay Adams, my guest today, has literally worked um, corporate nine-to-fives. She's worked corporate contracts. She's worked as an independent contractor or a freelancer, and she's also owned a business. So when it comes down to it, I think her perspective is really well-rounded, and she's very, very, very knowledgeable about systems and the way to make things work for you and not the other way around. So if you are really interested in learning more about this space, please grab a pad and pen. Don't be upset at yourself later because you didn't take good notes. This is a really jam-packed episode with so many different gems. You will absolutely love it. And please, after you listen, reach out to Lindsay or myself um, and let's chat. Like I want to see more people taking control of the way that they choose to work. And I think now is a great time, probably better than ever to really learn more about the space um, before you, you know, jump. Don't, don't just jump honey, understand taxes and all that good stuff and what comes after. So let's get Lindsay on the line. I'm really excited to share this with you and please feel free to like, comment and share. Thanks for listening. Having me this evening on my side, the East Coast of D.C. Yes. Okay. So I know Lindsay from High Park. When I lived in High Park, you know, I love High Park. I would roll around in the, on the street right now if I could. I love that little neighborhoods so, so, so much. It's in Chicago. Um, and I first met Lindsay at the Chicago Innovation Exchange. Um, and you were working on a business, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I was one of the, we're the we're a few founding members at that time, the Chicago Innovation Exchange, now the Pulowski Center through the University of Chicago. Um, and mm-hmm. so I had heard about it actually through, at that time, a potential business partner. So we kind of like were using that as a meeting space and then joined it, being able to use it as a floatable office space, meeting space, did some co- a couple of technical cl- um, classes there. And at that time, you were actually able to rent it as a venue. So it was a really yes. good at the time, could walk to work, which was like, hello, get your steps in, plus get to work, which was always my dream um, work experience as we're talking about making the world your workplace. Yes, yeah, I love I was one of the founding members as well, and I remember when it was free, no one was paying. We would just go in there, do work, we, you know, work on our stuff, um, and they allowed us to do that for months and months and months, so that was great. Um, tell me, like, what is your, I know this is a broad question, but what is your story? What is your experience? How did you get started? And how did you get to where you are now? Absolutely. I look at it as a two-flavor opportunity to get to know me. Um, My corporate business name is Lindsay Adams. That's what my mama, Benita Adams, gave me. Um, I have been a nomadic traveler, not only for my work in the United States, but I've also been visiting international um, cities to find a better economy for me as a black businesswoman. So I changed my name to Ahi when I was visiting Nigeria for two months, and I was studying their landscape. Um, So that's what you'll see me if you want to find me on line A-E-E-H-I, very simple. Um, and so I am right now am a full-time contractor, and I have been that 
um, over the last 10 years, I graduated from Columbia, Chicago, um, and that was an art school, but I was able to study account advertising, um, and I was able to actually intern at all the local um, places like Starcom and BT. So I got a very good understanding of corporate America, which was like the dream. I mean, if you, this is 2008, honey. This is like, you know, your elders, like, were the first people that got into these large corporations and were experiencing black wealth. Um, you know, uh, in the advertising and communication space. So my Aunt Zaline, who actually teaches at Columbia, um, she's been a full-time businesswoman my whole life, and so I would work with her in ad agencies previous to my move, and then that's why I studied in Chicago and I got an ad degree. So lineage of just wanting to be a very successful, sustainable black woman brought me to Chicago. Um, but in 2018, excuse me, yeah, excuse me, in 2008, <laughs> there was no positions that became available. So you're thinking about, you're doing internships. I I was running as vice president of two organizations, um, a marketing association as well as um, a PR organization. So I put my foot straight into it. Like I knew my dad was sacrificing for me to be an undergraduate in a private school in the city of Chicago. And I come from first-generation suburban from, you know, the crisis of kind of the crack epidemic and things like that. So taking that all the way back, though, Alice, is, when you think about your experience of what you're looking towards, which is the successful black woman, but understanding that you may be the first generation that comes out of economic poverty, that's a lot for us at stake. And then a lot of us graduated in this new millennial and that American dream that our parents were like, go to school, spend the money, we'll put it up front, good, get good grades, intern, plus work, you know, plus look forward fronting, and your life is going to look great. Um, but at 2008, when I got that really very expensive a piece of paper, I was left with no job opportunities. Um, so I went straight into just regular customer service for a few years, and then I have a girlfriend, Casey Taylor. She's an amazing marketer and real estate owner, um, put me in touch with working for ComEdison. And so that was the first time that I worked for a corporate agency when I dreamed about it but had a very long tenure of CSR work. Um, and I started working in what we call experiential marketing. And at that time, no one knew what experiential marketing was. Like we know about copy, we know about creative, we know about accounts. We know about media, but there is this whole world called experiential marketing, and it's to have experiences with advertisements, and that was the first time that I went rogue and became a full-time 1099 uh, contractor um, for, at that time, ComEdison, which is the electricity provider in the state of Illinois. Okay. <laughs> no, wow. Okay. That's great. Now, I will say, and I'm going to be honest with you, probably never told you this, but yeah. when you were doing experiential marketing, like brand ambassador work, it inspired me to pick up some of the same type of work. So I tried this activation with L'Oreal, and uh -huh. it was horrible, and I hated it because they didn't have any colors for a woman of color. So I was in there trying oh, wow. to promote a product, and they didn't even send the right shades for me to even say that I was wearing it. So women were commenting you know, complimenting me, and I'm like, well, I have Onars because they didn't make this in my color. Um, and so I didn't have a good experience, but the flexibility that I had to pick up shifts, making like 30-something dollars an hour, um, it was a great it was a great intro into what I actually wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like the type of like working with brands, understanding the activations. Um, and you were one of the first people that I saw that was like actually – juggling that. So can you tell me about that experience and how you use that as leverage to do the type of work that you do now? 
Yes, Alice, you had the greatest introduction. You have to juggle it. I give people the best understanding. It's like for those Los Angeles folks like Alice now, um, it's like being an actress. You need to have forward-fronting pictures, and you mm-hmm. want to have your resume. And these folks are looking for basically to make it plain and straight. You are a real-life billboard or what we call sometimes a booth girl if you're going to a conference or convention, trade show or car show. Um, and then sometimes you have guerrilla marketing. Like sometimes you'll be downtown Chicago and someone has a giant ice cream truck and there's free ice cream for everyone. And I am a very energetic person. I'm just finishing a major contract um, actually with Google DC. So a bit like, you know, lower in my energy level. But in my natural nature, like experiential marketing was fantastic. You're out in the streets, fresh air, exercise, meeting different people. You know, it's basically it was like networking for a living or be, it's like going to a party for a living. Um, so I was doing everything from the taste of Chicago um, to like car shows from Los Angeles to Chicago to D.C. So not only did you get a chance to not be in the cubicle life, which if you are a creator, like we get it that you can get your six, seven figures, boo, but do you know that you live half your life in a cubicle? So for yeah, us creative, any – Yes, it was like, and that's not commuting, commuting time. Um, so things like that I knew as a creative. And creativity comes in so many different ways, and I love the new millennial and the Internet. But I just want to say as a creative but a businesswoman, it's like there was just certain lifestyles I could not um, attach myself to, long commute times where you're spending 20 hours a week in a car. Guess what? I've had a job since I was 14. 20 hours a week in a car, even at $10 an hour, boo, you're just giving away money. Listen, so everything listen. I did, <laughs> everything I I did from the time that I took that leap to be a 1099 roger or what we call the ghost workforce um, was to say that everything had a dollar amount, Alice. My gas had a dollar amount. My car had a dollar amount. Um, my time had a dollar amount. And little Lindsay would just sit in her, you know, I was living with a mentor at the time, girl. They didn't even have an apartment because, of course, I was hustling money a la carte. This wasn't no two-week paycheck salary. When you are in this game, you hunt and then you cash in. And if you don't hunt, you don't cash in. But it was so exciting because I've always wanted to be a businesswoman. I sat in these agencies with my aunt at 13 years old. My parents put me on a flight to Chicago at 13, and I was going there ever since. And I just liked that hustle of, like, locking down events and locking down events and then going to party almost for a living. It doesn't matter, again, if it's a sexy Cadillac or I was giving out Cheetos. Do you know how much people love Cheetos? And, like, your job is to give out, Cheetos. like, 100. And they love you. <laughs> They love yes, you and they love your black face. Yes, free stuff makes everybody happy. So that's that, yes. that's how we started. I was selling Cheetos yes. at this hotel right now, Mayfair. Where's the Cheetos? No, I'm joking. Um, so yes. tell me, that's great because every single people don't understand that time is currency. Like every single day, every single moment of your day. It's worth something. So don't get I. What I can understand every time I would try to go back, I had a corporate job for three months, and I, I was mm-hmm. really bad at it. And I tried really hard because I never wanted to be the, the millennial that was so caught up in not working for someone that I couldn't be successful at taking care of myself. But I didn't like the fact that if I was supposed to be at work at 8 and I finished my work at 12, they still expected me to just sit there and look busy. And in my yeah, mind, I no, think yeah. about all the other things that I could be doing to be productive and how to maximize my time. And, yeah, no, that's not how that world even works. And so it didn't work out for me. Um, but I would love if you can explain your, from, from your own experiences, your perception of corporate 
freelance and then starting a business because you you've actually done all three and how that yes. you know what how that process has been yes and i've I've done it a few times over so i'm I'm glad Alice kind of broke down for everyone like that that mental that day to day you know just how you know, the relationship that you have with your money, which is like your employer and or client or your business model, has everything to do with your quality of life. So for me, if I'm spending 20 hours in traffic, that makes me feel like I'm wasting time like Alice. Producers, which a lot of executive um, corporate contractors are producers. Like we want to see the end result. We're not out here trying to even cheat you out of your money. We're like, how can we take your money and make your event, your client, your audience amazing? That's what makes us marketers and creatives. So let's talk about corporate. I just finished a year and a half long corporate contract. So I will go wherever the money flows. I will girdle down, get in my vehicle, go to your office if the payout is right. So I did a corporate experience, but it did have 60% travel. In your corporate experience, you don't have to worry about much. You have a check every two weeks. That gives you some peace of mind. And if you still have an entrepreneurial heart, you can lower your expenditures, and then take your income and save for your next business iteration. So you can put your business on hold for a moment, get that six-figure corporate job if they let you, and then lower your expenses. I drive a 2008 car. I live in Temple Hills, Maryland, though my job is in D.C. because I was saving like $3,000 a month with a corporate job because I'm now ready for, which I just reincorporated in the East Coast, LMA LLC, which is, again, my corporate name, Lindsay M. Adams. So I use corporate opportunities to leverage my internal desires. Now, when it comes to owning your own business, you need to form a legal entity. You don't need to do it right off the top. If a client has you and they say, oh, I see you do this, I have this, sign the contract, PayPal, cash, check, wherever, because you want to claim the business. But after that, you want to put yourself in a legal situation because guess what? Your client probably has a whole legal team behind them. So just incorporate yourself, brand yourself. Alice is super great with branding, no matter who you are, business, event, client, audience, she's amazing. So, you know, find someone who can talk to you a little bit about branding, set up a great LinkedIn, even before a website, because that's how you get dollars. Um, Mm -hmm. And then be ready to hunt. You need to have a statement of work, an SOW. You need to have a contract template. You need to be able to bill your clients and then talk a little bit more about business, ROI, which is return and investment. Because you can be the most hottest girl in the game in your business, but if your clients don't get a return, they're not going to refer you and or feel like you're validated. So have a business model. I've been through business school many times. I don't pay, you know, American dollars for business, but I've done the YWCA program. I've done many local nonprofit organizations, six weeks, two weeks, four month programs, um, where I had to put together um, an actual SWOT analysis and a business plan, present that in front of mentors. Um, And I did that actually in Chicago and won third place within a business competition, which was like a statewide thing. And so that really made me invest money into that competition, put the business plan in place, and then I actually received legal representation um, to incorporate my business. So I don't just talk about being in business. I'm not an Instagram business person. I've actually privatized a lot of my social at this time. But business mm-hmm. is about that you have a viable model that brings in money that eventually can employ people. That's how I look at owning your own business and this time. Um, And then the last one, yes, it makes money. Just make sure you understand that. And not enough money to keep, like, buying something for yourself. It makes money for you as the CEO and founder or principal, and it makes money for you to save money to invest in your business so that it can be growing two, three years from now when you get those 1099s. Your business should be growing eventually. 
And this, remember, I don't want to, uh, to try to blanket. Everybody's business is different, manufacturing, brick-and-mortar, consulting. But, again, I think all of us in business should be making money. No, we should, that is, that's the bottom line. Outside of relationship building and all of that, you should absolutely be monetizing your skills. And so I think that's very important in understanding how to even start the process of charging, you know, doing market research and understanding what the market needs. And I want you to talk about that. Um, I was on Snapchat. I'm never on Snapchat. But I would happen to go on Snapchat because Lindsay is an avid snapper. Right, is that a thing, Snapper? Underground, baby girl. So, we got to be underground these days. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, okay, you were talking about un- studying markets, their freelance needs, the wages, against, I'll let you go into that, but it literally was something I have never heard anyone in the freelance industry even talk about. Um, so I would love if you can share that with our listeners right now. Absolutely. And as Alice presented, we wanted to talk about basically W-2, meaning you have a J-O-B, slave shit, whatever you call it, um, versus having your business. And I'm glad Alice recircled so we can talk about contract work. Contract work is like being, and I'm going to give you all black rhetoric because it's February 2019, so it's Black History Month. It's like being like a, um, a sharecropper, honey. That's what it is, but you can get something out of it. <laughs> so basically it means that there is, an, there is a company, and all they do is collect your money and take some of it on top of the government. And, but what they do is that they put you in these top major organizations. So, again, imagine you're like an actor. You want to be on the new Tyler Perry. You're going to need somebody in the middle to make that happen because you don't know Tyler. But guess what? That agency knows Tyler, and they see your talent. But the thing is they've taken 20% of your money straight off the bat. And then you have no, you have no HR behind you, so you're just a roger. So my last agency, they placed me at Google. You know, only black girl in all of North America, Canada, and Latin America all together. And I ran 14 states for the new cloud. Um, Wait a minute, services. stop and pause, and let's yes. just like celebrate and honor you owning that space because you. you know it's it's still it's it's sad and it's still a celebration to know that that still happens. There's still spaces oh, yeah. and there's still rooms that we are not in. There's still tables that at we all. don't have the opportunity to sit at. You yes. know, and so and that's when contracting works. Yes, for doing that gracefully as a contractor. Yes. And, it, and it's difficult, guys. When you come in as a contractor, there is a middleman who is your agent that presents you to organizations for you to be ready, skilled, fire starter, and to execute with strong return on investment. And, again, you may be the only black person, and normally you are not trained. You do not have access. You are not invited to the table, but you have to perform the same and if not better. And that's the world of a contractor, though. It's like you're getting opportunities to be places that you haven't yet carved out, and that's just called a stepping stone. But I would say that's why I vibrate between all three, business ownership, LMA, from being a full FTE, full-time employee, no worries, checks always coming, and contract work because you have to leverage that. And so back to Alice's point is if I'm doing all these variances of being an economically stable black woman in this world, that's how because I can go anywhere, it's about where can I make the most amount of money but still save because I have other things we want to do. Like Isla says, I want to get done at 12 so I can work on my projects and have multiple incomes. So with that being said, I moved to D.C. because the starting base for an associate most of the time in my industry was 75000 That's their start, just coming into the door. And I was like, wait, I've been in Chicago for 12 years, and I'm still making under 50 k 
Why are you still in Chicago? You've been here for 10 years. You have had multiple jobs. You are not breaking the ceiling of income. So I started to look at PG County, and I started to look at where the affluential blacks were through just researching. Um, You can Google black affluential cities in the U.S. And then, bam, there's D.C. And I was like, oh, straight, boom. I started applying for jobs in D.C. Um, I went from Nestle. I did about a year-long contract with Nestle under Haagen-Dazs. That experience got me into Google, and I did about a year and a half with Google. Um, but remember, these are not your jobs as a contractor. So you may move to a viable city. Um, I was able to increase my income by 25000 by just one move from one city to the next. And, again, it wasn't overseas. Don't make it complicated move um, if you can. And then within that contract time, let's go back to contractors. Contractors don't get anything but cash dollars. That's all you get. And you don't get, like I said, like people had stock and they have 401k and they have maternity leave and they have sick leave. Remember all of that, Mm -hmm. just like that same girl back in Chicago. I was like, oh, all this costs and I don't get any of this. So as as my agencies saw the value, remember return on investment, of my contract, they kept renewing me. But every time I renewed, I had to remind them that I work alongside people that have major equity that I have no access to, and I need to increase in dollar wages. So in that one contract year, I increased my starting salary 67% within a year because I started to look at my counterparts and put a dollar amount to the world of contractors, to the world that contractors don't get. And you have to go back to your agency to remember they're taking like 20%, so they see value in you being there. And all, if I get a raise, guess what? They get more money. So as ladies, as black ladies, in diversity in the dysphoria, you have to negotiate, especially if you're a contractor, because the access and the full-time employee opportunity just doesn't exist as much that we may see. So we need to leave those opportunities when the contract ends with a lot of dollars in the bank. Exactly. And understanding that, I did not know when I first came to L.A., I got a contract making two and a half times more than what I made in Chicago, and I had no money in the bank. After that contract was over, I had spent every dollar to have money more than I had no funds for taxes. I had nothing in case the next contract didn't come, in case they decided to not renew. I had nothing to show for what I had built. I had no no concept of managing these large lump sums of money. So instead of getting a check every two weeks, I was getting a lump sum once a month. And so that's like having a tax return for a corporate employee every month, you know. I had no idea how to start to even manage that. And so I would also say that, understand that all the money that you make is not your money. You need to be ready to pay your taxes at all times. You need to have some savings. And then you also just need to have money that you don't touch. You know, the the beauty is to have money that does not need to be spent and just being able to know that it's there and knowing that in case a contract doesn't come within the next 30 days or 90 days or whatever, that you have something to float you and you won't be out on your ass. Um, And so those are just quick things that I learned within my my first year that I think Alusa and Lindsay was talking about, like every dollar that you make, first of all, you have to negotiate. And don't be afraid to study the market, see what those full-time people are getting paid. Take a little time. Look on LinkedIn. Look on, on Glass, um, what is it, Glassdoor, um, and mm-hmm. start to just, to see what are those salary mediums and how can you come in, um, you know, aggressively as a contractor since you don't have any of those other benefits. Absolutely, ladies and gents. You know, if if everybody get amazing health care, like that good PPO, you know, like gold yeah. plan, and you out here <laughs> – 
Yes, you're getting yeah. checks. Yes, they may increase your wage. You're looking at these dollars like, wow, guess what? Yeah. You break one leg. How much is that at the hospital? So when these companies mm-hmm. and these agencies try to act like, well, we're paying you so much, Break a leg with no insurance and try to let your company it's, know that they're not going to exactly. give you that money. So and they're not, like not going to care. They're not going to. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're out there on your own. Everything you need, ladies and gents, when you're a contractor, and it, even when you're a business owner and you're getting a new client, it's all on you. So you can set yeah. up your business model however you would like, but just remember it's all on you. And so that contract needs to reflect, like Alice said, where you live, like the cost mm-hmm. of living. Please don't let people give you, like you live in Wyoming and you live in Los Angeles. Everybody knows the cost of rent, gas, food, going uh, out, entertaining, like your, con- your constituents is so much. And as a contractor, you have to be out in the scene. You have to go to the events. You have to go to associations. So if it's you're living in Los job. Angeles, Yes, you going out, you have to think about that. Like for me, like I'm leaving D.C., I've been here for three years, three different contracts, just because the cost of living is so high and I'm looking to do something with more fruit and I'm looking to have a more personable touch and a more of a voice. Um, so that means sometimes you have to lower. So yes, you can go to a contract, it's great figures, but that's, what if you want to break into a new industry? Sometimes you have to be ready with that rainy day fund, like Alice says, to go into another mm-hmm. contract to buy into the business, which means you may take a $50,000 paycheck cut per annual salary, but you are ready to get in there and break into a new industry to keep that fire and that passion and that tenacity alive. Like, don't become, like, numb in what you're doing for the dollars. Like, keep that freshness because it could be 10 years from now and there's a new station and a new, a new product, and if you keep your tenacity alive, you may be that next brand manager. You may be that next CMO and things like that because you kept that creativity. So it's okay when everything in the business area goes up and down and sometimes you're down in the sense of dollar amount or who, what clients you have because there's always the next big thing that you could be a part of and your, your creativity is going to be activated again. Absolutely. So tell us, what is your typical day like? Like if you're on a contract for a company like a Google, how are you starting your day and how does the flow of that day process, like how does it flow? Are you going into the office? Can you work from home? Absolutely. So for me, how my life has went recently is that I'm a naturalist. So I always start off with exercise. So I'm always part of boot camp or soul cycle um, because the stress levels, the higher you go in salary and your clients becomes higher. So I've never mm-hmm. let the exercise go over the last five years. Um, so that's one. And then two, I get ahead. So I'm an early riser. So um, by the time I finish exercise, How I have early? time. Before I need to know. I, I'm a 5.30 a.m.er. Oh, you so, so I'm going to wake up and work out person. <laughs> It's a 5.30, and if I do, like, 5.30, yeah, 5.30, because I rise early. And I've learned this from, like, my my previous church, like, in the sense, like, you just want to get up before energy gets complicated. I'm telling you, like, if you look out your window and there's traffic and there's kids and there's, like, you know, the little baby trying to get on the elevator in your building, it's just a lot. Like, when you get up and it's quiet and it's calm, and the energy outside, inside is all good, before you step into that major office, before you hit that flight for that roadshow, before you have this major meeting where you're trying to close or you're, like, fighting with your agency for reimbursements, God knows, you just need that calm meditation and, like, that purging of old and then, like, to reset your intentions for the day. So that's what I do from 5.30 until I hit the office at 9. That's amazing. What at this point in your life would be like, what are you most proud of? It does not have to be work-related, but what 
are you most proud of standing back and looking on all of the years of your life so far? I am definitely most proud of, of sustaining my weight loss. And that is just a thing. Like when I, you know, from high school all the way up into my mid-20s, I was well over 300 pounds. Um, and I got introduced to a mentor that helped me lose the weight naturally. It took years. Um, and then um, my life changed drastically. I started hitting the road. So I got a TV show that had me doing a TV show on the road for a year. I relocated and started traveling Africa. I came to D.C. and hit major, you know, corporate America contracts. And though my weight has fluctuated, I still maintain, like, staying out of that old negative space as far as, like, you know, you know, my fat levels, um, and then staying out of just sedentary lifestyles. And to be able to do that through relationships and traveling and business meetings and end of contracts and, you know, boyfriends and new friends and old friends, like to be able to keep your one thing you're responsible for, which is your physical body, in a place that it's healthier than it was when you were younger, I would say that's my biggest accomplishment because my body helped me get all the contracts, move every single time I got to get out of a city, um, and just enjoy the people I meet along the way. Wow, that's that is beautiful, and I think the discipline. I've I've saw I've seen like your Snapchat stories of going to work out at five o'clock and it's still dark, and you're like doing a high-intensity workout. And I like the lazy yoga stuff that I do in summer. <laughs> You're I really got to keep my fat burning. Yes. yes. And in and, and, and business, we have to, contractors, business owners, you have to understand the social part. And social part comes, babes, with lots of foods and drinks and loves. And so, you know, but forward-facing, being ready, and feeling confident. It's not about having anybody else's body. It's just about what makes you ready to tell your client that that offer is unacceptable and to raise it 56%. Like, you just want to look in the mirror and feel good first before you have that phone call. So that's kind of how I, I drive a lot of my anchorage um, for health and wellness. That is beautiful. Okay, so in a day where you're working from home, because I tend to work from home and I eat trash, or not even eat trash, I'll order something healthy on Postmates so then my work from home day becomes a $30 day or a $40 day. I'm spending money on food unnecessarily. How do you set up your, your workspace if you work from home so that you're not, like, having all of those unhealthy habits? Um, I would say it, it really comes to discipline, guys, no matter what. I'm not a fad girl when it comes to this health and wellness lifestyle, and that means not just in decrease of body fat. That means how do I stay healthy while I travel 65%? How do I stay healthy when I am a mom of three now? You know, like whatever it is, it's just continuous discipline. Um, so I always say strengthen your will. You have to say no to something more than you say yes, and the more that you do that, it becomes natural. Like for me, like, eating certain foods aren't a draw for me, you know? Like, I, I've been having some tough times. I'm, like, relocating again. So, yes, I've indulged, but on a day-to-day -day basis, my – my desire to get money and have a certain lifestyle goes along with this, my same desire to eat really great food that feels good, that makes me um, have the most vibrancy. Because like in this game, I call it the game, like you have to be like 120%. And that's not all the time. When I go home, I'm like down. Like I'm like at 36% going to sleep. But when I'm on, like my mom says, you got to be at like 120% when you're scaling your own business practices independently. So if you put crap in your body, boo, like your meetings, your travel, you looking good at the events, all of that starts to decrease, you know. So for me, it's like I look at my life, my business, and my personal life and my wellness as one whole thing, and Lindsay's the ownership of it. And, you know, so there's no – I'm not going to self-sabotage, basically. 
that is a beautiful perspective because I feel like I have self-sabotaged the entire time I've been in L.A. And, you know, being in L.A., number one, you in L.A., boo, like, that's a huge market, and you just moved there. Like, I would want to say, give yourself grace. Yes, I mean, but but the, the perspective of it and the, the pressure of it and understanding that every time you leave your house, you're spending a bunch of money, and when you do leave your house, you want to show up. You don't want to just be in the room. You want to show up in the right way. And so for me, that means if I work from home, sometimes I'm just working from home, you know, and I'm comfortable, but it also, I can get up and I can be accountable to my work, but I've also gotten to a place where I was accountable to my work and nothing else meaning I wouldn't, you know, I would only wear joggers and loungewear. I wouldn't get up and make an effort for the day. Um, and I think that it's, it's, you know, like you said, discipline is required because you can be depressed. You can end up being depressed and, you know, gain a lot of weight, and there's no reason to even do that as long as you manage and separate your work habits and your work spaces with your lounge time. And I think somewhere along the way, they got crossed, girl. I was like, I'm rounding, I'm working. It was like an around-the-clock process. No, and it makes sense. And that, honestly, Alice, sounds like the first one to three years. Um, as a person that's been literally from California to Texas to Chicago to Virginia to D.C., like within the last four years and all those markets, like the beginning stages of getting your vibration down. Like for me, you guys think I've been doing this for a while in a sense like, since high school, I was traveling back and forth from Virginia to Chicago. So my ability to kind of um, iterate, meaning like, okay, I work from home, I have my workout, I have my snacks, I have my eating times, I have this, um, you know, action items for my client because I've done it for so long. But no, in the beginning, it was terrible. Like, I didn't know if I was missing something or overworking, you know, and that's just such a paradigm. You got to think, how do you not know if you're like missing something or overworking? Like, that's a very two different things. So as knowing you from our Midwestern time to both of us being on new coast, that seems like that's going to be an iteration because guess what? You're going to start getting the stuff your client asks you to do down. Like some of those meetings and some of those events that you do, not only for your clients, but I think you are a business owner as well. I see both of your events. Like it's going to become easier. So that learning curve is going to be easier, which means you're going to take more focus to your personal life, more focus to your diet. But in the beginning, guess what? If you've been locking down major clients and you've been succeeding in a new market, like that is your success. And like, yes, you're going to see your seesaw on your diet and exercise a it down, but that's just an iteration of your next season. Yes. I'm like, how? Wait a minute. I'm looking at pictures. I was like, I was literally 20, almost 30 pounds lighter in Hyde Park. And I am I am now like, I can, you know, bottles of wine, champagne, I need something for comfort because there's so much stress with these clients, right? It's like everything Very. that people don't talk about in 12 or 14-hour days that there's so much stress. They'll call you and be like, hey, I want to do this event in seven days. Can you do it? You know, and they don't even have it figured out at that point. So it's like you're carrying all of this. You're still adjusting to being in a new surrounding. I didn't study L.A.'s, you know, um, cost of living. I knew it was more expensive, but I didn't really understand it to the capacity that I do now. So it's like everything is a premium. You want to move somewhere warm? You come to L.A., understand that you pay for that sun. <laughs> you pay for seventy and sunny. Yeah, I would so say, ladies and gents, like, 
the return on the investment in your city. So when I say, okay, I studied Chicago versus D.C., and there was a $25,000 differentiating and just entry level in communications, right? But what I can say is that I grew as a woman, as a business owner um, in my faith in Chicago. Like the way that our aldermen were set up, you know, despite what y'all see on the TV, like, like that's why me and her are both lovers of Hyde Park. Like that was a community. Like there was amenities. There was associations and organizations that you could instantly tap into. So, like, for me, the reason that DC and me are done for this season is because I need a community. I'm single, no kids, and not a dog mom. Like, I need to walk out of my community and see, you know, a flyer about local businesses. I need to see that. And that's what they're building up in, like, Anacostia and things like that. But I would say right now I'm paying $22,000 in rent to, to live outside of DC. And so that's not to talk about my living expenses. We're just talking about, okay, how much money should an average American ever be spending on something they don't own? So when you guys think you want to pay to play in these cities, once you get your payout, meaning that you've netted more at the end of your time, sometimes it's time to stick and move. Sometimes it's time to go down to Charlotte, North Carolina and spend $800 for the, you know, and have that same salary so that you can build yourself. You've got to get out of L.A. after a while if you if you like, okay, look, I'm, I have 20000 bank, it's costing me 22000 to live. It's time to take this experience working for whomever and take that to Charlotte, lower my income, but keep, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. lo- lower my cost of living, but keep my income mm-hmm. and start building those tens of thousands until you can have that major equity. That is everything. And I think a lot of us aren't willing to make that sacrifice. And I can say for myself, the thought of moving to a smaller market makes me want to cry because I've, from Chicago to L.A., I don't see myself thriving in another city that won't feel like this, that won't have access that I necessarily need. But it's long-term sacrifice. So do you really want to set a home, put down a flag in a city where you can't even see yourself owning property? Properties in Chicago that may be 150000 in the south suburbs, you will pay $800,000, a million dollars in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being dramatic unless you want to move somewhere all the way out. So if there's a city that a single black female can actually call her home long term, and like you said, how much do you really want to spend on rent? I already paid twice as much as I paid a rent. I don't own anything. I'm just not paying it. You're going me out. Yes. Yeah. And so I say that to Alice, I say that to Alice and, you know, those that think the same thing is that let's just take it. I want to say this is like that we have to be business women because, yes, we know that we're the principal owner of our businesses and that we do need a certain lifestyle to sustain our creativity and things like that. But sometimes you have a season. It's like if you were sticking and moving in as many markets that you could net out $20,000 at the end of your contract, and I said to you, two, four, six, eight, you have $80,000 in four years. If you keep going to the markets where my clients will pay you the amount that you need to save, it's like in four years, all the events and all the parties and all the soirees and all even the networking contacts will still be there. And by the time you come back banging with money, then you got your glow up, and then you have equity, and then people are really going to be listening to you. These cities will be there. Chicago will be there. L.A. will be there. Like everything will be there, but it's about our money. Like it's a survival. Like that's why when people – like I have a lot of different things I used to blog about and speak about and like different – but I'm a transcender, so I will chameleon on you real quick. So with that being said, it's like what I am focused on is that I've done chameleon and 
fitting into different norms and trying to set down stakes in the ground. But what I always didn't have was, like, good cash flow. So I'm taking a curvature part of my life, and I'm making it about the sustainable net worth and the value that I can get in a diverse portfolio. And then I can live my best life in different seasons when I got the cash to do it anyways. Like, when I was in Chicago, I was dead-ass broke. Like, now I'm in D.C. and I'm making this good money. I'm like, dang, I wish I could go back to Chicago. Because I didn't experience Chicago, really, because I was a poor college kid, post-college kid. Yes. So all that to say, yes. those cities will always be there. As a businesswoman, if you really care about your business, as long as you can net out equity out of your business, you can sustain it for a And you can make it short. You can tell your client six, eight months. And Charlotte, Louisiana, wherever – these fabulous people also are, then it's not going to kill us because we bring the fabulous. And, girl, you can start a whole business, a whole client, a whole line because you are now the, the big fish. And sometimes we yes. need that love because when yes. I was at Google, girl, it was like I was nothing to anybody all the time. And that, over time, really, really dimmed my light. So I'm very thankful that I'm going back into mm. full-time entrepreneurship for a season. Look, if, if I can – I've learned how to edit audio, so if I can add church music – do this little part, like we're going to, because we just went to church. If anyone who has ever wanted to experience freelance work, understanding how to navigate it, how to, you just got it. That's it. Like, you have the answer that me nor Lindsay had. Like, it was something you had to figure out about markets and about positioning yourself for wealth, because they don't care if you have wealth or not. They really don't. Yeah, you need that wealth. Um, Lindsay, Yes. My last question we ask all of our podcast guests. The name of the podcast is called World is Her Office. When you hear that phrase, what does it mean to you and how does it relate with your journey? Uh, it means a lot to me because I am a black woman living in America, right? And so I have been using my equity in my business to invest in um visiting the dysphoria, West Africa, East Africa, South Africa. And my goal, ladies and gents, is to be a full-time, you know, business owner, multiple streams of revenue where I can be back home, you know. So returning home to the continent is a huge thing, but you need dollars to invest back in the continent to set that life up. Um, so that's where I hope and I know, excuse me, that this lifestyle will bring me, um, and then also the ability to leverage the business in America. I mean, business in America is booming. I just came from the cloud space. I'm, in, I'm like, infatuated. Um, so with that being said, I want to be able to leverage my United States clients in, um, you know, in the world and where I am. And so that's where I hope my tenacity and my drive and my stake um, in every city I am produces for me. It's just to actually live back um, where my origin is, back in the continent. That is beautiful. Lindsay, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you just carving the time out to have this conversation with us. Um, would you mind sharing your social media handle so that if anyone wants to connect with you or just follow your journey, they can do so? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say the best way to find me right now is on LinkedIn. I am fully scaling, you know, business models, and that's just under my real name, Lindsay Adams, Lindsay with an E, Adams. Um, and then you can always email me, just lindsay.m dot adams at gmail.com and so I'm, I'm very personable i love to connect um i'm back roguing again meaning like i'm a freelancer all over again so i'm accepting like you know interviews and i'm actually pitching myself to a couple of great organizations right now so i'm leveraging all opportunities especially the linkedin networking um right now to find my tribe of uh, great business folks that is amazing. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I will be watching yes. your journey. Let me know how I can support you. I'm about to take that advice 
after this contract um, is up, and I'm definitely going to apply that to my life so we can see some actual results. Yes, you are a gem, Alice, to our community. I just want to say that, like, you're, you're, effort, like, you're effortless um, in being elegant um, and being beautiful and uh-huh. also being creative and an amazing businesswoman, not only in your personal brand but actually in your business. Um, so I just want to say congratulations to that. From market to market, you're doing an amazing job. Thank you so much. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to Mayfair Hotel for sponsoring this series. Um, We really appreciate it. And if you have any questions, please feel free to like, comment, and share. And we'll see you on the next episode of The World in Our Office.